0: Welcome to WP Tonic episode 122. Today we've got the immense pleasure of having social media consultant extraordinaire Moisa Mars with us from Super Spicy Media. Uh, before I let Moisa introduce herself, uh, just want to remind you, WP Tonic, uh, subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us a five-star review that helps other people discover us. And uh, this is not only a podcast, but also a WordPress maintenance service, high-touch concierge. Uh, If you have legacy clients that you're looking to transition away uh, as you're raising your rates, so we can help you with that. And uh, you can leave them in capable hands. And with that, uh, I'd like to introduce our our spotlight guest, Moisa Mars. Uh, Moisa, introduce yourself. Let us know uh, what you do and who you are.
1: Okay, so I am a social media consultant and my company is called Super Spicy Media because that name kind of embodies who I am (laughs) as a person, but I actually founded my company right after getting fired from my previous job and I was working at an advertising agency and it was more of a traditionally oriented agency where they did newspaper ads and radio and TV and everything that, but I wanted to move more into the d- digital waters. So um, what happened was that first year we got along pretty good. And then the, like, the next six months were dreadful because we just stopped getting along. I was trying to do social media. I was trying to encourage them to try social media with our clients, but it just didn't go well. So they fired me and then I said, you know what? I don't want to work for anyone else anymore. I'm going to establish my own company and I'm going to run it like I know how to run it." Uh, And it was actually my first company, but um, I mean, I'm doing, I'm doing a pretty good job now. (laughs) Uh,
0: Very good. And and when you were first launching Super Spicy Media, uh, what kind of obstacles did you have to overcome? Uh, Was it hard to make the transition or?
1: Yeah, it was the the number one problem that um, I encountered was how to get my first clients because this was the first time I had to find work. I had to find clients, but I didn't know how. I didn't know, do people call other companies? Do they email them? What do they do? So I just tried a bunch of techniques and tactics. So um, I did a lot of because i was suddenly left i didn't have a job just it was just like that i was without a job so i knew that i have to do something and i at first i did cold emails because you know i've read a couple of blog posts that said that with cold emails you get clients you know it's the fastest way to get clients so i started with cold emails got my first client and then i said I cannot really scale this. So I'm going to try to establish my persona on Twitter and just to establish my authority and communicate there. And then maybe I will get some clients my way. And that's how I started, you know, doing more like Twitter and stuff like that for my own company as well. And it worked pretty well again. Um, and yeah, so just, you know, getting those first clients was the absolute hardest at the beginning.
0: Uh, I'm glad you mentioned Twitter, uh, too, because uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you is a lot of people, they use tools like the auto DM uh, reply, like on Twitter, when you follow them or buffer to schedule posts. What are your thoughts on on automating uh, social media? Is there a time and place for that? Or
1: When it comes to Twitter, uh, this is this is like a very um, a topic that I love to talk about because. 90% of people get it wrong. <laughs> so um, a lot of people automate 100% of their tweets, for example, on Twitter, and they, you know, they don't get the results they want, and they come to me and say, "Why Twitter is not working? Why is not working? Uh, Twitter is messing something up. Am I doing something wrong?" And when I check their profile, it's like 100% of tweets are automated, and people notice that, and people notice that you're not putting the work in your strategy, and they will just. Go away from your profiles, um, so i do not I do not recommend automating everything, especially when it comes to facebook that 's a whole nother story. so with Facebook, Facebook is actually punishing um, you uh, your reach if you automate your Facebook posts with third party tools so if you use buffer, for example, Facebook will lower your reach just a little bit, um, and not a lot of people know that so when it comes to Facebook, I do schedule like posts for Facebook, uh, for my clients that I ha- for the clients that I have, but I schedule them with Facebook's native scheduler. So that's like a Facebook is a whole nother story. But when it comes to Twitter, I don't really recommend automating.
0: No, I, I, I totally feel you. Uh, I just see like other people say, this is always me. And, you know, sometimes you see people, it's, it's all uh, automated all the time. And yeah. uh and, and when people DM me, like when I follow them, I tend to be like, well, this is just off on the bad foot already. Um so you know, that brings me to a great segue. Like relationship marketing is like a really big buzzword in today's social uh media scene and, and marketing scene. And and where do you think people are really missing the boat when it comes to relationship marketing?
1: And if I understand that correctly, like this is actually the first time that I hear about relationship marketing. Maybe it was, it was defined like something else. So, is relationship marketing like that? You have to establish relationship with your customers and clients and audience. All that, yeah. Okay, Absolutely. got it. Okay, got it. So, um, people don't do that at all <laughs> <laughs> because they think that social media, like, they create uh they automate for example, their Facebook page, they put their blog posts in buffer and they call that a social media strategy where it's not because everyone can do that. Everyone can schedule, uh, I don't know, 10 blog posts or 100 blog posts into buffer, but not everyone can establish that great relationship with your audience. So a lot of people are missing out on this. So uh, what I really do with my clients is first I established that relationship with sharing a lot of value and showing our personality a little bit. So sharing personal photos, for example, that goes a very, very long way. Uh, if I'm dealing with a big company that has, for example, a team retreat, we share photos from that team retreat, for example. So we do all these sorts of things just to get closer to the audience and to differentiate ourselves from our competitors, because like I said before, not a lot of people do that. So when you do that, when you start communicating your personality and value a little bit, you know, the audience just comes to you because not a lot of people do that.
0: Yeah. I mean, and scaling the unscalable and and doing those things where you make yourself seem more approachable and human, that is really what I feel as well, like differentiates uh, brands that connect with people versus cold monolithic brands that nobody cares what they have to say.
1: Yeah. And like when you think about it, how many companies do you see on Facebook that share posts like this? Like pretty much, you know, you don't see anyone doing this. So when you do that, people will notice and they will say, who's this? Who do, you know, this is a Facebook page that I like. Let me check them out again. Oh, that's the company. And they will scroll down your newsfeed and check your what you're saying, like your blog post, for example, too. So everything just starts with establishing that relationship that has to be there if you want to get them to buy something, you know, along the road.
0: No, and that it's definitely it. And people do business with other people. They don't do it with companies so much. There's always a human on the other end of that transaction. Uh, so, you know, here's the thing when you're pitching businesses on, you know, and they probably reach out to you, you know, for help with social, but like in a typical, in typical businesses, they're looking at like the ROI of each initiative. They're saying, like, what are we going to get for our money? And with social, it's really hard to quantify because a lot of those results aren't measurable in a spreadsheet. And you know, why is that? Why is there so much opposition to uh, using that versus some other traditional means of marketing?
1: So it's, uh, for example, Facebook is interesting where when it comes to ads, you can really measure the ROI. They're, they have now doubled down on something. So for example, uh, you can act, actually set a conversion vin- window of seven days. So you know if a person sees an ad and if they purchase something after seven days of seeing an ad, that will still count as a conversion. So they're really trying to double down on that game, uh, like the, measuring the ROI, et cetera, et cetera. But when it comes to organic traffic and creating like a communication strategy on Facebook. You're right. It's very, very difficult to measure. Like the only things that you can measure are, you know, the reach and uh, how many people click on those blog posts, for example, how many people like and comment. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's very hard to explain to a client that we will not be able to measure the ROI. Like, first of all, we're not going to achieve those results. The We're not going to improve the results in a matter of one day. So, the strategy has to be consistent for at least two months, and the ROI. You know, they just have to trust me on that. Uh, I send them case studies. You know, the ROI is noticeable in maybe a few, I don't know, month or two. For example, I have been working with Hubstaff, and they have seen an incredible increase in their website visitors. So after we've done some consultation, consultation, they've seen a website visitors increase for. It increased for 200%, I think. And that's the ROI we're looking for. So it is measurable, but it is measurable along the way. And it's, it can be a very hard sell, you know, hard to sell that to a client.
0: No, definitely. And, you know, that segues into something else too. Like in traditional, um, in traditional businesses, like I see a lot of this, and maybe you do too, where people don't hesitate to drop five figures on pay-per-click or Google Ads but spending money on any other form of marketing is like, oh, I don't know about that. Uh, <laughs> you know, why do you think that is? Why are people so attached to things like pay per click? Because I think that's like heroin. You can't get off of it, and the results aren't long lasting.
1: Because, because it can measure everything. <laughs> I think it's because of that. You can measure everything. When you post a Facebook post, you will not be able to measure the impact you know, aside from, like I said, the reach and, uh, click through rate, et cetera, et cetera. But with, you know, Google ads and Facebook ads, I mean, you can measure everything. So I think it's just the measuring part and, um, us like social media managers and social media consultants have a very long way to go, you know, to explain that to a client. But yeah, I mean, not having a Facebook, you know, what's, uh, what's the worst thing that can happen? Like, and what, what's the other thing like it, whether you have a Facebook page and whether you communicate with your clients on other, or on the other hand, you don't. So you have to be there. You have to have a Facebook page if you want your clients or your customers to know that you're there. If you don't have it, you know, that's like, that's what you have, you have to have in 2016.
0: No, totally, totally. Uh, you know, and when it comes to building like communities, say whether you're on Facebook or Twitter, uh, a lot of it say like when Twitter first started, there was a core group of people that were on Twitter. They were like the early adopters and they built like a community. Same thing with YouTube. And you see it happening right now on Snapchat. There's like communities that form like around the platform. But uh, what is more important to, uh, is it more important to get on a platform like early and be part of that community as it's forming? Or is it more important to be, to, uh, you know, be part of the community that that moves to that platform. I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, how do those two things tie together, platform and community?
1: Um, And why do you mean by community? Like, you said, like, the early adopters and...
0: Uh, Say, well, okay, like, we're here on FireTalk, and, like, this is, like, a fledgling thing, and there's people who are using this. Maybe a lot of the people who were on Blab, like, a few months ago uh, are here on FireTalk now let me rephrase that in a different way do people who start on a platform when it's first starting out do they have an advantage over people who come there like years later
1: okay i think they have an advantage for i don't know those couple of months when the uh platform is just starting out but after everyone gets on the platform you have to be really good at maintaining that advantage and the following so for example I was one of the first people on Meerkat. I don't know how that happened, but I was one of the first people there and Meerkat, I don't know if they still have that because I haven't been using Meerkat for a long, long time, but they had that leaderboard um, thingy. And I was like, I was there, I I think I was on the third place, like when it started out. It was absolutely, it was crazy. But then, you know, after a few weeks of Meerkat becoming this big thing and each and every company jumped on it as soon as possible, I was nowhere. (laughs) So I I had an advantage for maybe one to two weeks. But then after that one one to two weeks, just big companies and big brands, you know, took advantage of that. And I was out of there, you know, I was nowhere to be seen again. So I think that you only have that advantage at the beginning, but then... You know, when other people come to that, you really have to... I don't know. It, it depends on the platform a lot whether you are able to step up your game and man- maintain that advantage or whether you're just going to disappear like I did on Meerkat.
0: <laughs> no, nah, I, I think that's totally it. Um, you have to maintain your advantage. Like, you can be there at the start, but, um, you know, the, the, overall, this the platform like changes like new people come in and you have to, to kind of still be active um jonathan uh, anything you, that you want to ask uh moisa
2: i think oh it's just terrible those cat people you know they should have <laughs> just kept you at at the top um not really i think it's been fascinating um the only comment i would pa- pass is that um i do use buffer on twitter and i do push out a number of predefined posts um, because we've got a big um, library of past guests um, but I also um, I don't do automatic DMs and I do thank people every person that does a retweet or pass a comment I, they get a personal message from me
1: and uh, it's not automated? No. Just checking Okay. I
2: know, I, I hate those um um, no, they get a personal message from me, and I check about a check who said something about twice a day um but I do automate as well so um i, I do agree with you that people that totally automate uh, or, you know uh, you're not going to get a lot out of it i I just my position is about fifty fifty of yours. Um, so I I think the more, the more you put into it, the more less you automate it, the more you will get out of it. I do agree. It's just a time factor. Basically, I just haven't got the resources or maybe I'm making excuses. I I really don't know.
1: Yeah, that's a good thought. (laughs) (laughs) So, so
0: that, that's a great, that, that brings up a great question. Uh, I think. Uh, Moisa, uh, is when it comes to like establishing like where you want to be, um, is it more important to be on every single platform that you can find, or is it better to just find the ones that you want to be on and target those?
1: Find the ones you want to be on and target those. Definitely, uh, a lot of companies just, um, you know, when they are kind of developing their social media strategy, they like. It's like they create a list of social media networks there, you know, all of social media networks and say, "Okay, so we have to be uh on Pinterest, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, whatever, and they spread themselves thin and they don't have like a great strat they don't have a great strategy in one place like on Facebook and ins- or Instagram, but they have a mediocre social media strategy everywhere. Um so it's better to focus on one, mostly two platforms. Or if you're a bigger company, you can definitely focus on more if you have like more people uh, that can handle those accounts. But it's better to focus on one or two social media platforms and do a very, very great job there. I
2: think that's a great point. I think it's time for us to go for our break, folks. And when we come back, we're going to delve more into this fascinating subject of social media. Be back in a second, folks. Buying or selling a home in the greater Reno Tahoe area? I
0: know the best CRS real estate broker. And that's Karen Conrad. And you can find her at karenconrad.com or call directly at 775-527-7021.
2: We're coming back and John's going to take over again. Go on, John, ask some more fantastic questions. (laughs) Sure thing, sure
0: thing. Um, Okay, so how do you we were talking about right before the break we were talking about it's better to be on just a few specific platforms than and be really excellent at those than to be on 20 million uh platforms and just kind of you know halfway uh you know have a presence there so how do you help uh businesses determine what platforms they should be on when you consult with people what do you tell them as far as that like what platforms should they be on?
1: they should be on the platform where their audience is so first of all you can if if you really don't know where your audience is if if you're blind (laughs) um then start with facebook you can you you cannot possibly miss with Facebook. Facebook covers this broad demographic from teenagers, from people 65 years and older. Uh, I don't know what you, you can find, pretty much each and every profile on Facebook. But then you have other social media networks that are really, really specific and really specific target audiences use them. So, for example, Pinterest are mostly, is mostly used by women, um, young moms, for example, or designers. Um, and then you have Twitter. Twitter is for people that are really technologically aware and, uh, I don't know, they... They Maybe they own some technology companies or SaaS or whatever. And then you have Instagram. Instagram is for fashion, for beauty, and, you know, menus as well for other things like cars, for example. And for just establishing your uh, personal brand a little bit. Then you have Snapchat, which is a totally different network again. So... When you are first starting out with developing your social media platform uh, I'm I'm sorry your social media strategy you should definitely focus on the platform where your audience is and if you don't know where that is start with Facebook can't miss with that.
0: No, I agree. 1 billion plus people can't be wrong.
1: <laughs> Absolutely.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah, so and when it comes to that like content creation obviously like some platforms like YouTube Um, fire talk, um, Snapchat is kind of a a combo, but those are more like video based Instagram, Pinterest. It's more visual. Um, when it comes to like playing to the strengths of the business, when it comes to content creation, how much is that a factor?
1: I'm sorry. Can you, can you review that?
0: Sure. Sure. Um, so with the businesses say they're having to create the content for like the different, uh, platforms, uh, how much it, you know is determined by playing to their strengths like what type of things they're putting out like on on you know Facebook or Instagram or or Twitter
1: okay so it it plays a major role especially like if your twitter strategy is going to consist of just of photos and nothing else you're going to fail if your facebook strategy is going to consist only of links to your blog posts you're going to fail so you have to get familiar with each and every social media platform and just kind of discover it a little bit and see what types of posts suit that social media platform. So, for example, with Facebook, you have Facebook covers pretty much everything. You have video, photos, links, text, whatever you want. Then on Twitter, uh, Twitter is, I mean, it's 140 characters. So you really... Can do a lot there. I mean, they do have video, but it's just not catching up. I mean, it's pe- people are not really, really using video for Twitter, for example, but it's mostly text based and link based and photos and GIFs. Um, <laughs> and then on Pinterest, on Pinterest, you don't have anything else than um, photos and GIFs again, but GIFs are not really, really widely used, but it's you know, photo-based platform, and that on Instagram you have just photos. You cannot, you, well, like for example, a lot of people try to promote a product on Instagram, and you have to do like a workaround because you cannot put a link into the description box. Um, so what they do is they post a photo there, and they they post a link in the bio section, and in you know with that photo they uh, they write that if you want to see what this product is go and check that uh, the link in the bio section out. So you have to work around these platforms a little bit. And if you want to get the best results, you definitely have to adapt to the platform. So if, the, it's, if it's a visual-based platform, you need to do visuals if you want to get the best results. If not, well...
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I totally see what you're saying. You, you have to know the platform and you have to work within its rules and and the way that it wants to display content. Yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah. Um, I I think another thing that gets me going is um, on my Twitter, I I built it up and I didn't buy any of those Twitters. And some of the connections aren't that strong, but they're all, I I do regularly go through and um, clean who I'm following, who's following me, and check them over. But you'd be amazed at the amount of people to say, "Oh, that person's got twenty thousand, or they got thirty thousand people following them." But what they don't realize, is that a lot of those they could have just bought. So it's more quality than volume. Would you agree with that?
1: Absolutely. Also, you can check which uh, you know if if there is one person and it has a massive amount of following, you you can check it out if they're fake or not. <laughs> So definitely, I mean, the the quality of your audience plays a major role. Like, for example, if we check Facebook, um, you can have, I don't know, 100,000 Facebook likes. And I've seen that happen. I've worked with companies that had 100,000 Facebook likes, and they got zero engagement on their posts that can happen because they didn't have and didn't they didn't buy facebook likes it just they didn't have a good enough of a content so it definitely you know just having a quality audience plays a major major role in that too
0: no it it totally does make a difference uh it has to be something that people want to see and you know share and reply to uh, th- how big was Facebook video like when, when they introduced that? Are they positioning themselves as a, a real rival to youtube and and how is that affecting YouTube?
1: They are trying to rival YouTube definitely. Um, so when fir- when Facebook first started doing video, it didn't take off immediately. but then what they did was um, they started pushing video content uh, higher in news- in the newsfeed. And now, like, if you own a page and if you post a video, for example, a one-minute, two-minute video, that video is going to get pushed higher in the news feed and more people will see it. It will have a bigger and better reach than, for example, a link to your blog post. So I really encourage doing that because, like I said, Facebook wants to rival with YouTube and they are pushing the video content hard. So there's an opportunity for all the businesses that are listening to this create video content because it'll, it'll go a long, long, long way.
0: No, I totally agree. I, and I do see that. Like when you just scroll through it, like automatically does it, it wants you to like stop and like watch. It wants you to just kind of, you know, just <laughs> chew up your time and just watch everything that's in your feed. Oh yeah. Uh,
1: like it happens frequently to me. <laughs>
0: totally. Totally. Are we ever going to see, uh, another social network become as big as Facebook? Um, ever. I mean, that
1: that's an interesting question. I mean, I cannot say for sure. Definitely because it's so unpredictable. Like no one anticipated Facebook success as well, but I mean, Facebook is so big right now. I, I am having difficulty saying that there will come, I don't know, the next Mark Zuckerberg that'll do another social media platform that'll just go big. I'm having really, you know, I'm, I, I'm having trouble saying this because Facebook is so big and it has made such an impact that I don't know what the future holds for us.
0: Yeah, I. And the reason why I ask that is if you look at the history of like social networks overall, it's kind of like there's one like at the top of the mountain. Kind of first it was Friendster, then it was MySpace, and then eventually it was Facebook. But and I thought for a minute there was going to be a time where it started to slip, but there was nothing that really came to replace it. Mm-hmm. And I have a theory, and, and I want to see if you agree with this. It really kind of depends on where your friends are hanging out, like what social network you're going to spend the most time on. And I think for most, or at least like my friends that aren't in the tech scene, my, you know, normal, <laughs> I guess they call them normal <laughs> friends, but my non-techie friends, like they're all on Facebook, but all my tech friends are on uh, Twitter. Yeah. And And there's not any of my, you know, You know, normal blue collar friends, they're not on Twitter at all. It's just not a thing for them because I'm one of the only people over there. So, but, but when I saw people like move from Facebook to, or I should say, MySpace to Facebook, yes, um, it was when people started moving over there, then it just like had momentum. Uh, What's your thoughts on that when it comes to?
1: Yeah, I I absolutely agree. And, you know, you you've made a pretty good point there. Like, as a person, you have you're using uh, Facebook and you're using Twitter because your friends are there. So when you decide what content you are going to share, I mean, like I usually go with Facebook and Twitter again because that's where my audience is. If it's a more personal thing that I want only want to share with my friends, I will share that on fa- uh, on Facebook. And Facebook is always my like the number one pick, and that's why it's just so big and it keeps, you know, it's just there, it, it, and it'll always be there. It, it, it looks like it for now. And they're doing a very, very good job on keeping it uh, on the first place. Um, they're constantly updating. their co- Like, Twitter, if you notice this trend, like, t- Twitter was just dying at some point. It's, it still is a little bit because they're, they're not – they're doing – they're doing like updates, but they fell asleep along the way somewhere. It was big, it was very big, but they just fell asleep. While Facebook, Facebook has been grinding all the way and all the time. Uh, so definitely I think that Facebook is going to stick around and just think of it like this way, we thought that MySpace was big
0: <laughs> yeah. and
1: then and then Facebook came and it took it all away. So I think that like when we thought, OK, MySpace, this is it. Like this is this is the social media network. This is going to stay here forever. And it didn't because Facebook came. So Facebook really has a big impact. And I think it's just going to stay here.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think um, I just want to ask you one question before we, um, John finishes the formal part of the podcast, and hopefully you can stay on for another 10 minutes and um, that will be added content for our website. Um, I'm just reflecting on what you were saying. I I, I, I I think a key moment for Facebook was how were they going to deal, deal with mobile and the only, and they dealt with it very effectively, and the, the threats, the, the same threat disappeared, and they've just accelerated because they dealt with the threat of mobile. The only threat I can see to something like Facebook is um, actual device-driven. If some other kind of Of platform like mobile comes along and Facebook doesn't adapt like the way they adapt to mobile, then they could be in serious trouble. So, there's two parts to this. So, I'd like your reflections on that. See if you agree with that. And secondly, have you got any insights about how Google? Why did Google fail so dramatically in the social media? The area with google plus
1: i have absolutely no idea <laughs> i think that they were trying first they were trying to be like if i remember that correctly it, it's just such a long time ago um i think that first they were trying to be like twitter they had like these i think it was maybe very, very very similar like 140 characters and they then they tried to be like facebook so they were always repeating after someone and not Innovating, uh, and I think that was like the major case that Google plus went away i still I still get clients asking me if i, go, I do Google Plus strategies, and they just i'm like google plus does barely ex- does it exist they, didn't they even say that they're turning it off right so uh yeah, but I think it was just that they they didn't know how to innovate i mean they're not they're not a social media platform, so they better focus on the things they're good at. <laughs>
2: And uh, what's your reflections of what I said about Facebook? Do you think there's any truth in that?
1: Uh, I think there's truth, but until now, they have adapted very, very good. So I think we shouldn't be even scared of that because whenever we have like – I don't know, um, Snapchat or when Instagram came or, you know, stuff like that. They bought Instagram, for example. So they adapt incredibly quickly. And I think, you know, they, they just have such a great team there. And we shouldn't be afraid of, you know, them disappearing anytime soon.
0: That's cool. Yeah, totally. But one case that we just seen saw recently Uh, was Instagram, uh, could we say, uh, borrowing some of the (laughs) features from Snapchat?
1: They stole it! They admitted (laughs) it!
0: (laughs) Uh, You know, um, and some people, I want to say this, uh, another guy who's like a a big uh, fan of Snapchat, Brian Fanzo, he says this is actually a good thing for Snapchat because the people who are learning the new Instagram stories... Maybe we'll go over to Snapchat now. What are your thoughts on that?
1: I don't know if I would agree with that. Uh, because now they just got an excuse why not to go to Snapchat. <laughs> now yeah. Instagram is offering the same and they already have a good platform probably or uh, I mean a good following there. So they're just not, you know what, I don't even need Snapchat anymore. I'm just going to stick to Instagram now. So I don't know if I agree to that.
0: Yeah. Well, and and here's a question. Here's something that I see like a lot, like in in my own Twitter feed. And you know, it, like I think Jonathan's in his early fifties. I'm in my coming up on my mid forties. A lot of the people that I know are Gen X. You know what I mean. But uh, uh, a lot of the people that I know, they're completely reluctant to to be on Snapchat. A few people are like, yeah, this is the next thing. We need to be on it. But, like, a lot of people are, are totally, like, uh, they're, like, they're fine with Facebook, they're fine with Twitter, uh, Instagram, they're fine with, but they're completely reluctant to, like, do anything new, whether it's Vine or, uh, you know, Snapchat. And what, what do you say to that? Um, is it just evolution, like, hey, you're going to ab- absolutely eventually need to be on here, or, or how do you deal with that?
1: Uh, I don't think they will need to be there necessarily, uh, necessarily because it's same with Twitter. Like, not a lot of my friends use Twitter because they just don't like it. And it's not like they have to be there. They don't have to be there. And companies don't have to be there either. If your audience is there, yeah, sure. Absolutely, you have to be there. If it's not, why even bother? Same with Snapchat. I think like... Some people like Snapchat, you know, I, I love Snapchat. I love Snapchatting. And, um, uh, you know, there's a certain group of people on Snapchat and companies that have those groups of people on Snapchat, they should definitely do Snapchat strategies as well. But if they don't, I mean, why not, you know, focus on something else? So I definitely think that people, people shouldn't force themselves to use a social media network just because it's in, because that's not going you know, that's going nowhere. So definitely focus on the ones that you like and that you love to use and don't bother about anything else.
2: I think that's fantastic. I think we better wrap up the uh, podcast part of the show. So um, uh, Moisha, how, how can people get hold of you and learn more about um, all the insights that you've given us?
1: So first of all, they can always... I love, I, I love getting emails. I reply to my emails in about, I don't know, seven days. <laughs> Always with a seven day delay. Uh, but I love helping. Uh, so definitely you, they can reach out to me at Muay I'm Moita Mars on Twitter. Definitely reach out there too. Uh, and if they want to join uh, my free email course about Facebook ads, they can go to superspicymedia.com slash FB ads. And uh, it's a pretty neat course. And I ask a lot of questions. So reply to those emails as well.
2: <laughs> That's great. So how, how can people get hold of you, John? You can find me on my
0: site, which is lockdowndesign.com. And you can follow me on Twitter. I'm Lockdown underscore. How do people get a hold of you, Jonathan?
2: Oh, definitely not by Snapchat. (laughs) You're not going to get a response if you Snapchat me. Um, Twitter, Facebook, email Jonathan at wp-tonic.com. Twitter me. um, I try and cover the things that I'm covering. I try and cover reasonably well, but... No point in snapchapping me. So it's been great, folks. We're going to end the podcast. Like I say, we can hopefully going to continue the conversation for ten minutes. You'll find that on the website with a full set of tran- a transcription of the conversation. Plus any other additional information that me and John thinks will, um, highlight the points that we've discussed through this fantastic interview that's been such fun. And our guest has been very gracious. She came on a show that I managed before and I totally destroyed her name. And uh, it was a bit of a disaster, but she took it in her stride. That's why, I, I, that's why I've kept in the background because I felt a bit embarrassed, but I did my best. <laughs> Uh, so we'll see you next um oh before we go we got we're doing our live WP tonic on Saturday on fire talk at ten AM Please come and join us. You can ask us ask the panel questions. They're much smarter than me. John does an excellent job. Um please join us. We love people joining us on the Saturday show. We'll see you next week, folks. Bye. <laughs>